Hello, this is Yolanda Murphy, and welcome to this Exceptional Journey podcast, where you will find inspiration to live courageously through adversity, empowerment to live freely despite your past, and ignition to live boldly in your purpose, all by walking the survivor's side of life. Good people. What is up? It's your girl, Yolanda Murphy, with this Exceptional Journey podcast. Thank you so much for clicking over to my little corner of the podcast world and rocking with me just for a few minutes. Uh, If this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. Sit back and relax. Um, And if this is not your first rodeo, hey, how you been? How you doing? (laughs) So, you know, we have a great topic, I think, for today's uh, podcast. But of course, before we go any further, let me go ahead and get into the social media. I tend to always forget at the end. So I definitely want to connect with you guys Um, on Facebook and on Instagram. I am at this exceptional journey. Um, You can find all things me and my beautiful mug. (laughs) And then at Twitter, I am at T-E-J podcast. So hit me up, guys, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, and I would love to connect with you. So as you can tell by the title of the podcast, or maybe you can't tell, actually, uh, because it's a whole bunch of letters mixed together. So T, I'm sorry, D-T-C-M-T-D. What? (laughs) What do these letters stand for? If you can put in the comments what you think this stands for, even before I name it, I might have a giveaway for you. I might have something to give you. If you guess what these letters mean, even before I get into the topic, I'll give you a moment. (laughs) I would hum the Jeopardy theme, but I'm a little hoarse right now. But if you've guessed, and if you haven't, these letters stand for do, does, I'm sorry, not do, does the carpet match the drapes? So here's the thing. I've been wanting to talk about this topic for a little bit now, because when I think about being a survivor of cancer, I mean, most people think, oh my goodness, your hair is going to fall out. But (laughs) let me preface the topic by saying this. I was actually asked this question. I I literally during my chemo stint of active treatment was asked this question. I'm not going to say who it was or, you know, where I know them from. (laughs) You know who you are if you're listening. (laughs) But I was really asked this question. Does the carpet match the drapes? And I didn't really want to put that whole title like, you know, on front street, because some people, you know, might be a little (gasps) clutch their pearls. (laughs) But that's not the point. The point really is to divulge into what this question really means as a cancer survivor, not just a breast cancer survivor, but maybe even someone that has alopecia. Um, What this question means, where I'm coming from, and then what I want you to take away from it. So 
if you're brand new to the game, you don't know what this phrase means. Does the carpet match the drapes? Let me go ahead and get that out the way first and foremost. So as on a woman's body, well, I mean, I guess it could be on anyone's body, man or woman. Um, think of the carpet as your lower extremity where your privates are, where your hair would be there is considered the carpet as in, in your home, the carpet. <laughs> and then your hair, your actual hair would be considered the drapes or the curtains. Does that make sense? I hope so. If you've never heard it, hit me and let me know. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of people ask specifically um, of people that have red hair, um, you know, red like gingers, as we call them. Um, a, a, you know, when I was researching, does the carpet match the drapes? That's what came up. A lot of people ask redheads who are naturally redheaded, does the carpet match the drapes? And, you know, I mean, it, it, it fits, you know, for that circumstance, I guess, if you really care if their carpets match the drapes. <laughs> but uh, I, again, was asked this going through active treatment. I probably just finished maybe my third chemo treatment and I was bald. I mean, I was bald after my first treatment, like a, maybe a week or two after my first treatment. And so by this time I was squeaky clean, like right there, right there, right there. <laughs> squeaky clean. Okay. And yeah, it was a man. I will say that it was a male that asked me that. Um, and I was kind of taken aback at first cause I, I had heard the phrase before, uh, but it was interesting to me. So let's get into it. Let's, let's just dive in. So, uh, first things first, I want to talk about my hair journey from where I came from before breast cancer and then after breast cancer. So before breast cancer, I was a typical woman for, you know, lack of a, a better phrase. Um, our hair is important to us. We want it to be nice. We want it to look right. Uh, so let's see in my twenties, um, I went through a stint where I had, I mean, I had a relaxer up until my early thirties. Um, I had a relaxer, which meant if you don't understand what that means from an African American standpoint, um, I, so my hair naturally is Afro ish. Think of an Afro that's natural African-American hair. And, you know, as an African-American woman getting a relaxer, um, it made my hair straight. So think of like wraps, you know, the nice little shoulder length, you know, cuts or bobs, um, bangs, what, what have you. Um, so in my realm or in my world as an African-American woman, when you get a relaxer, it straightens your hair. So you go from an Afro to having bone straight hair. Um, and so majority of my life, to be honest, this is the type of hair that I've had. Um, I wore it long. Sometimes I would get sew-ins with weave. Um, in my twenties, I was very fond of short, like Halle Berry haircuts from like back in the nineties. She was so sharp and my haircut was too. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where I lived. You know, I would style it, curl it, you know, I had a curling iron, flat iron, um, you know, other black women out there, you know, we had um, the curling wax. We had the, I don't remember what the spray, ISO plus, that's what it was. 
<laughs> we had the ISO plus, you know, oil sheen. And I mean, anything you can think of for your hair to keep it. I had it growing up in my twenties. Um, and it was great. I loved my hair, you know, probably as most women, you don't have to be African-American to feel this way, but most women, you know, growing up as a teenager, I really didn't like my hair because, you know, I'm going through hormones, you know, we, we don't like a lot of stuff as teenagers. You, you know how that is. We hated people. <laughs> we didn't like a lot of stuff, but in my twenties, I was straight, you know, I, I got a, a handle on how I wanted my hair to look. Um, I had a handle on what I wanted um, my persona or identity to be, including my hair. So I was good. 20s. That's that's what um, I was good with. So into early 30s. Um, let's see. So. December 2004. Oh, my goodness. That was what? 14 years ago. So that would make me, I'm good at math, but not really good at addition and subtraction, if that makes sense. <laughs> so I'm 39 now, subtract 14. What does that make me? 25, maybe? If I'm wrong, let me know in the comments. Um, but in 2004, December 2004 specifically, my father was in a um, accident. He was in a vehicle um, head-on collision. So uh, at that time, I was getting relaxers and my hair was probably about shoulder length uh, and enter the stress, the most full, sh most stressful uh, part of my life up until that point. Uh, and from, I'd say December up until maybe like February, even maybe February, between February and May, my hair started falling out in clumps. Um, as you can probably understand from the stress because I mean not to go into my father's accident but it was a head-on collision he he was ran into from someone else um, on a snowy like glistening night so uh very stressful woken up in the middle of the night me and my mom had to go down uh, my grandmother came and sat with my brother and basically his right hip uh, because of how the car hit, his hip kind of popped out. So it was kind of dangling because the whole socket was broken. Um, from the from the collision on the left side, he put his left arm up to shield, you know, the accident. But it completely shattered his left forearm. So he had to put, they had to put like a rod and stuff in. So I say all of that to say um, it was a pretty serious um, accident. As you can imagine, as anyone can attest who's, you know, gone through anything with someone that you love, stress hit. And at the age of, I think 25, is that right? <laughs> at that age in 2004, um, I was given, uh, I'm sorry, my hair started falling out. And it wasn't just like regular shedding, you know what I mean? It wasn't, oh my goodness, you know, I'm putting too much heat on my hair or, oh my goodness, like, you know, it, it's just breaking off. No, it was falling out in clumps to the point where in the middle, I almost had a bald spot because I was so stressed about everything that was going on with my father. And I say all of that to say by, I'm going to say September-ish, uh, 2015, I got my last relaxer um, and I got my hair cut. So again, in December, my hair was shoulder length. 
Um, and then because so much damage had been going on, I kept getting it trimmed and getting it trimmed. And it was to the point where I just had to get it cut, like drastically cut. And um, in September, I got a, another really short like haircut, you know, almost it wasn't a bob, but it was a really short haircut because that's how badly my hair had fallen out. So 2000, uh, September 2015 was my last relaxer and my last haircut um, with a relaxer. And I let it ride, you know, I was, you know, we were still trying to get through, you know, with my dad, he had months and months of rehab. Um, you know, it was still a stressful time, but you know, we were all making it, we were all getting through what have you. So after that relaxer and after getting my haircut that next year, um, it was time for me to get another relaxer. Usually, you know, for those of you that don't know for African-American hair, you usually get another relaxer. I mean, for me, cause my hair grew fast, I, six weeks, maybe, um, which is usually what, like a month and a half. Um, and then your roots, you know, would start to get a little kinky. <laughs> and, but I decided at that time, I didn't want another relaxer. I didn't want to have to go through that. So I was like, I'll just go natural. I won't put any more chemicals in my hair and we'll go from there. So beginning of 2015, I was, I was all about it. <laughs> um, I started because the transition is a little difficult, especially if you have short hair, you still have some perm on the ends or relaxer on the ends of your hair. And then your roots are like kinky, you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, so I'll make the best of this. So at first I started getting braids, letting it grow out. And then once I was tired of braids, I started to get sew-ins with weave. Um, and you know, shout out to my girls who used to hook me up. <laughs> uh, but so I went through that for probably about between braids, alternating between braids and weave, maybe two years, to be honest, um, probably about two years. So maybe around, um, that time I was like, okay, I'm ready to wear my natural hair. So I went to someone, they cut the relaxer off of my ends and I was just rocking my Afro. Um, every once in a while I would go to the barber, um, and I would get a little shape up so that my neck wouldn't look like Chewbacca. <laughs> and, um, that's how I wore my natural hair for a lot of years, for a, a lot of years up until, um, me doing chemo in 2016. That's just what I did. I would, you know, I would go through a phase where I wanted it to be short. So I would rock a small Afro. I would get a shape up and keep it moving. But then there would be times where I'm like, okay, you know what? I want to grow my hair out a little bit. So I would grow a bigger Afro and, you know, not get any shape ups and let it be. And then I would have professionals braid my natural hair into styles. <coughs> Excuse me, depending upon where I was. But from there on out, my very last relaxer was in September, 2005. So I've been natural since 2005. Say all of that to say, to let you know, I've been there and done almost everything with my hair. Um, like I said, my twenties, I had a relaxer, even back in elementary, I had a Jerry curl. <laughs> I'll let that sink in for you guys. If those of you who don't know what a Jerry curl, Jerry curl is, it is Jerry starts with a J, not a G. Okay. I think it's like J H E R I. Is that how it's spelled? Do people even still get those? Hit me up in the comments and let me know. I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> but 
but um so i've i've run the gamut with my hair i've i've had a lot of different styles um and what i actually loved about having natural hair is i i could be as you know very adverse as possible i could wear my my natural and then once it got to a certain length i would go and get it blown out get a, like a little silk wrap and i would wear my wrap as we would call it and wrap it up at night and, you know, do all the good things. And when I was tired of that, I would just wet it and it would be my Afro again. Very versatile. Love it. So I say that to say up until chemo, um, in which I started, um, end of April, I want to say 2016, um, up until that point, I still had my natural hair, still was getting braids, all of those great things. So literally like maybe seven to, between seven to 14 days after my first chemo treatment my hair started falling out and to be honest my doctors told me that's what was going to happen my medical uh, oncologist one of the very first things he said after we got back my um, onco dx test um, and research that if you need to if you're a premenopausal woman with hormone positive breast cancer an onco dx test will tell you the percentage of the likelihood of reoccurrence and mine was high. So they got all of the cancer out of my body, but because my Onco DX score was so high, which means my rate of reoccurrence was very high as if you don't do this, you will probably have breast cancer again. My medical oncologist was like, yeah, we're, we're going to do chemo. We're done. We're going to do radiation just so that you don't have to face it. You know what I mean? It's, it's never a guarantee. Uh, but that was the road that we chose. Um, so one of the very first things after he told me that I was going to have to do chemo was, okay, so your hair is going to fall out legitimately. Like I kid you not, like he, he, he equated me having to get can I mean, to get chemo, the most detrimental thing out of his mouth, the next thing was you're gonna, your hair is going to fall out. So let that sink in for a minute. And, and I have a whole nother podcast to talk about women and their identity with their hair. This one is specifically talking about does the carpet match the drapes? But yeah, he, he thought it was so important to let me know right up front that this is your score. Yes, you will have to get chemo. Your hair is going to fall out. No other side effect was important. And don't get me wrong. I love my doctor. He is world renowned. He's amazing. I have the top of the top in the city of Pittsburgh. He's amazing. And this is not to, you know, dog him or anything, but let's think about it. As women, our hair is part of our identity. So he's probably heard over these decades of practicing. Most women ask very first, is my hair going to fall out? So now he just opens up with it. It's the opening of his show, of his show. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the very first thing that he told me and he was not lying. Even before I felt felt any real side effects of chemo, my hair was gone. So let me kind of explain the process. It doesn't all just fall out and you're squeaky clean. <laughs> and I don't know if anyone has ever had this question about you know how your hair falls out after cancer, but this is part of this podcast is to explain that. So you really don't have to question it. You don't have to question your friends if they ever go through it, fortunately or unfortunately. So first things first, you get your chemo. They tell you again, right off the bat, your hair is going to fall out. 
It takes about anywhere, every woman's different, anywhere between seven to 14 days, your hair starts to fall out. So in my hair, I already had braids, like natural, my hair, not any weave or, you know, synthetic hair or anything. I had my own hair braided. Um, my cousin did that for me. And it was about a week after. So let's say I started chemo like April 29th. Let just picking dates so you guys can have a, a picture. Um, so let's say I, I started chemo April 29th. That was my very first treatment. Um, my brother's birthday is May 10th. We went out for his birthday, May 10th. What's that's like two weeks, almost two weeks. Um, we went out for his birthday, May 10th. I took my braids out May 11th. And as I sat on my floor, because to be honest, and, and I don't know if you want to know this, but I'm going to tell you my pubic hair started falling out before the hair on my head. So the hair under my arms, like as I was putting on deodorant, um, because I mean, do we shave every day? I don't, I'm sorry, forgive me. Um, but there was hair on my deodorant. I was like, what, what's going on? So I was like, okay, you know, I, I kind of figured it would happen, but I thought it would fall out off of my head first. Um, so then I would be going to the bathroom again, wiping, and there would be hair on the toilet paper. And I was like, okay, okay, this must be the start of it. This is, this is how it starts for me. So lo and behold, May 11th comes and I said, okay, in lieu of everything that's been going on, um, you know, my little stubbles, you know, falling out on my face. Cause I mean, I don't know women. Do you, do you have any hair growing in your face? <laughs> I have a little mustache, if I must say so myself. <laughs> and then I have little hairs on my chin. It's just so obnoxious. But all of that hair was gone. Like I didn't have the hair on my chin or underneath my neck anymore. So I was like, okay, this 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 must be how it how it starts for me. So I figured on May 11th, when I was taking it out, I guess this is another cancerversary. I don't know. <laughs> um I'm going to sit on the floor because usually when I would take my hair out from braids, I would either sit on my couch in my living room and watch TV, or I would sit on my bed and watch TV. Um, but I figured, I said, you know what? I should probably sit on the floor. So if any extra hair comes out, I'll be able to vacuum it up. That was my thought process. So I did that. And you know, if you're watching the YouTube video right now, I will insert pictures here. Literally it, it wasn't, just stray hairs, literal braids were falling out in my hand. I, I would not even have the chance to unwrap the braid with a comb before that whole clump of hair would be in my hand. So here I am alone, May 11th in the evening, sitting on my bedroom floor, taking my braids out or twists, and literal clumps of hair are just falling to the, to the, to the carpet. And no one can ever prepare you for that. No one. So, you know, my, my medical oncologist telling me, you know, very first thing, your hair is going to fall out, what have you. It didn't prepare me for that moment. So I had to keep taking my hair out. And I started from the back <clears throat> purposely so that as my hair was falling out, I wouldn't be able to see it until the front. 
um, call that a defense mechanism, uh, call it, you know, saving my emotions, whatever you want to call it, that's what it was. So I started in the back and that's when I started to realize, okay, this is serious. Um, I started, you know, working my way up to the middle and then working my way to the front and probably 75% of my hair was on the carpet. No exaggeration, none whatsoever. And I said, okay, you know, you know, if you know me, I'm a very strong, resilient, you know, I've had to face things, but again, nothing, (laughs) nothing prepared me for this. So I hadn't seen myself yet. I had not seen my scalp. I had not seen exactly what it looked like for all my hair to be out of my scalp. So I walk into the bathroom and before I turn on the light, I just stand in the mirror. So I'm standing in the bathroom in the dark and I'm pep talking myself and I'm like, okay, you are not your hair. What you look like right now, excuse me, you're still beautiful. You know, you're still the same Yolanda. You're still the same person. When I flicked on the light, I'm actually getting teared up now. When I flipped on the light, I swear to you, I felt like I was an alien. I kid you not. I did not recognize myself. I did not. You can't prepare yourself for something like that. Um, And not to equate hair to a limb, not to equate hair to like fingers or toes. But when you grow up with a certain thing, you get used to having that certain thing. And when you no longer have it, specifically not of your own doing. Now, if you choose to shave your head, that's different. If you choose to cut your hair short, that's different. But this was not of my doing. And I literally just stood in the mirror and cried. And cried. And tried to come to some recollection of what the hell just happened. I mean, I had been strong up until that point. I had been very like resilient and and, and anyone who knows me know like even to today when I tell people I had breast cancer and these were people, let's say at my church, I would be singing or I would be in service. They would be like, I never knew. But that was the whole point on my end. I didn't want to be treated any different. I wanted to try to live as a normal life as possible. And I did that. I was strong. I had faith. God kept me. And I was able to still do what I wanted to do. I had moments, of course, don't get me wrong. It, it, you know, it wasn't all flowers and daisies, but this was the true testament. My hair falling out and being bald was the true testament of having cancer in my mind. And here I was in this moment, looking like a cancer patient looking like what I was going through when I had tried so hard since the end of January to not look like that, to be as strong as possible and not just for myself, for other people that loved me, for other people 
that knew I was going through this journey. Me now looking like cancer, and I hope you hear my quotations, me now looking like cancer shifted my whole journey for me. So here I was standing in the mirror, crying, boohooing, you know, had my moment, had my moment. And to be honest, I washed my hair, washed my scalp, which, you know, to this day, I can, I can still feel my scalp and feel my hair, like how it felt and, and, and how different it was because my hair is very thick. What was thick? It's not as thick as it was before chemo. Um, but my hair was very thick. So it took a lot of shampoo. It took a lot of conditioner to, to, to wash my hair and my scalp. And here I was basically washing a scalp. I'm really trying to hold myself together. I really am. Cause I haven't, I've not talked about this. I've never talked about this in detail to anyone. And it was such an interesting experience such an interesting experience so there I was you know again standing in the mirror I went from there and then went to go wash my hair and scalp and literally I kid you not for the next two weeks maybe week and a half two weeks I wore a bonnet around the around my house because at the time when I was going through chemo um, in which I'm grateful for my manager allowed me to work from home and I worked from home five days a week. So I didn't really have to interact with people. I didn't have to go out into the marketplace, so to speak. Um, I didn't really have to interact with people. And plus, you know, as you go through chemo, your, your, um, immune system is compromised anyway. So my, you know, doctor was like, I don't want you in crowds. If you go somewhere, be there shortly and come home. So, you know, I let my manager know all of that. He was like, cool, you can just work from home. I was like, amen. <laughs> so here I am in my own home, mind you, in my own home. I live alone um, in my own home. Can't even bear to look at myself in the mirror from the minute I would sleep in this bonnet, y'all. I barely had hair, barely had any hair. And again, at this time, my hair was shoulder length. I don't know if I said that, but... My hair was about shoulder length again, even natural. And the little bit of hair I did have after I washed it, there was really no need for it to dry because there wasn't that much of it. I would slick it back, not with any products or anything, but I, I didn't have that much. So I would take it back and just put it in a little braid in the middle of my head and just let it be, trying to hold on to what I knew. And... <laughs> I would sleep in this bonnet and never take it off. If I went out to take my trash out, I wore the bonnet. If I went to go get my mail, I wore the bonnet. If I went somewhere where I had to be out, like singing at church or go to the grocery store, I would put on a wig. I bought, my mom gave me one of her wigs and then I bought a new wig. And for two weeks, that those were my saving grace. Those, those were who I were, who I was excuse me. And that happened, that, that went on for about two weeks. One of my cousins had a birthday party, I think it was, or maybe it was a wedding. I can't remember. It was a big deal. And I wore my wig and it was my very first time of my family seeing me. And they, I, I, I'm assuming they kind of knew what was going on. <clears throat> excuse me, because 
no one said anything. They just kept saying, oh, you look beautiful. You look pretty. And I was grateful because that's not how I felt on the inside. I felt like a phony. I felt like a farce. I felt like this is not me. I felt like my body was not my own. And that's a whole nother podcast for another time. But here I am two weeks, not being able to look at myself in the mirror, not being able to see, you know, my scalp and my hair. And it had gotten to a point where I was like, okay, enough is enough. And not necessarily, you know, for anyone else, but for myself, like I had to own it. Your hair is not going to grow back tomorrow. It's not. So you might as well face it and do what you need to do to get done what you need to get done. And that's face reality. So, you know, I started around the house, not wearing my bonnet. And then it got to a point where I was like, okay, let's just go ahead and let this hair go. Two weeks, I felt like it was a good time. Okay, let's go ahead and get this done. So I called my cousin, um, who actually right before chemo was braiding my natural hair. Um, and actually who now does my, my dreadlocks full circle. Right? So I called my cousin and I said, Hey, can you, cause I didn't have clippers and I didn't want to just bick it. Um, because I still had long strands of hair that were still on my scalp. Uh, so I was like, I called her and I was like, Hey, can you just buzz cut me just to get rid of these long strands and, you know, do what, whatever needs to be done. She was like, of course, whenever you're ready, you let me know. And so I went over her house probably at the end of that second week, maybe the beginning of the third. And I sat in the chair and I think, cause I went over in my bonnet and you know, if you're listening right now, you know who you are. Let me know what you think. <laughs> um, I think when I took my bonnet off because she was so used to my hair, because she was so used to my thick kinks and coils of an afro when I took my bonnet off or maybe I had on a hat I can't remember uh I think she was taken aback and I would have been too to be honest like I would have been taken aback as well um she didn't let me see it but I could kind of see it in her face but because I was already so like oh my gosh let's just get it done I sat in her 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 hair chair or her salon chair and she buzzed me and to be honest, I can't really tell you what was going through my mind. Um, you know, I was still in shock that I didn't have hair. And now that she was buzzing me, I would have no hair at all. And I think I was still trying to wrap my mind around that. I think I was still trying to wrap my mind around the fact that I literally was going to be bald. So it was done. It didn't take long <laughs> because I didn't have that much hair. And, you know, while she was sweeping up, I put my hat back on or my bonnet, whatever I went over in, I put it back on my head. And to this day, I think about that. And we talked, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like a rushed, you know, experience. We talked afterwards, not about that, but we talked about life and what's going on and what are you doing and, you know, what have you. Um, but whatever I went over in, I either, I think I went over in my bonnet, but took a baseball cap with me. And I think I went to Walmart afterwards, if I'm remembering correctly. I still could not walk around with no hair. I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't. And I took my wig with me. I remember having my wig in my bag 
with me just in case I really couldn't take it anymore. And lo and behold, I just put the hat back on. And I went to Walmart. I came back home. And I think I still wore the wig and or baseball cap and or bonnet for maybe about another week. But then I said to myself, girlfriend, girlfriend, I need you to accept what your reality is right now. I need you to realize you don't have hair. I need you to realize that your hair is not going to grow back. You still have, what, three chemo treatments to go? Baby, you better step it up and, and, and embrace this. So I say that to say the next weekend, I asked my brother to bick me. By bick, I mean razor, like you would buy in the store, like a bick, like a, you know, to shave your face. So I bought one. Um, my mom and dad had or have um, a friend that is bald. He's bald by choice. And I asked him, I said, what what razors do you use, you know, to, to get your squeaky clean? And he told me and I went and bought them. And that Sunday, that next Sunday, my brother bicked me and I, I took pictures <laughs> and I posted them on my Instagram because I was not going to allow cancer to shift what I thought of myself. I was not going to allow cancer to take my identity. I wasn't. So I posted it for the whole world to see. And I posted it so that people could see that cancer was not going to beat me. Yes, this is a side effect of what I'm going through, but I wanted everyone to be able to see, listen, this is not going to take, you know, who I am. This is not going to take my confidence. So I posted it and I got so much positive feedback and I was so grateful. Even still now I look back at that post um, and I'm like, dang, like. I'm so grateful. And a lot of people said, you gave me strength. You know, you posted it, not necessarily, you know, for other people to give you praise, but to give strength to your faith and take away the strength and power from cancer. Absolutely. That was the whole entire point. So I give you my whole entire hair journey <laughs> to say, you know, when I was finally asked, because by the time I was asked, does the carpet match the drapes? I was already squeaky clean bald. I had already gone through that whole process. And to be honest, I feel like if I was asked that question before I had come to my own acceptance, I don't really know how I would have reacted. I really don't know. Um, but thank God, by the time I was asked that question, I was in my own acceptance. I was already walking tall and I was able to say, hell yeah. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. I'm cussing a little bit, <laughs> but I was able to say absolutely because here's the thing. And, and, you know, I can see it as a catch 22, to be honest, I, I can see it as, you know, this was someone not necessarily ignorant in a rude way, but ignorant in the true sense of the word, which means lack of knowledge. You just don't know because you've, well, this person didn't know because you've never had someone close to you experience this. So on one hand, I wasn't taken aback by it because the person who asked me, we actually had a nice little relationship. I, I wouldn't say that we were close friends, but we were cool enough that this person felt comfortable enough to ask me. And I felt comfortable enough to not be taken aback by it. I was able to be honest, like, hell yeah. Why wouldn't it be? I have, I have no hair on my head. I have no hair 
anywhere right now. And instead of, you know, pointing to the obvious place, I held out my arm. And I said, do you see how squeaky clean my arm is? I have no hair anywhere on my body right now. Anywhere. And this person was able to be like, oh, okay, cool. It wasn't, it wasn't a like uncomfortable experience because we, I guess, because we knew each other well enough at that point. Um, and I didn't allow it to be uncomfortable. I didn't allow it because here's the, here's the thing. We can only feel what we allow. That's another story for another time, but no, I, I didn't allow it to make me feel some type of way. I didn't allow it to, you know, be a negative experience because here is someone in my mind, this is what I'm thinking. Here is someone who is just unaware. Here is someone who's uneducated and in their own terms and in their own way, they're asking, when you go through cancer, does this happen to this? And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> and I was, it, it, I was actually driving away. I was actually able to be excited. Well, not excited, but I was happy to be able to educate someone who had before then never knew. So say all of that to say, here I am now, two years later, um, you know, if you're following my blog, if you're following on YouTube, you see I have dreadlocks now. And they're probably, if I had to guess, how long is this, guys? Maybe six inches? I started growing these in January um, because I was getting haircuts. My hair started growing back right after radiation, which was October 2016. But it was peach fuzz when it grew in. It literally was like newborn hair, like I had never seen before. It was like curly and soft, like, like lamb. I don't know how to describe it, but it was like that up until probably June of 2017. And I allowed it to grow out a little. It was a little unruly because it was un on one side, it was growing long and I would still have short patches. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let it go. Um, but here I am now. It started to get back to kinky, you know, my little African roots. Um, probably like August, September of last year. And in January, I got tired of getting haircuts cause I was getting shape ups cause I hate unruly hair. Sorry, not sorry. I just cannot stand it. And you know, in January I was like, why not? Cause I, to be honest in, in college, I was natural for a very short period of time. So short. I went out and bought a relaxer like two days later. And I was like, I can, that, that life's not for me. But, um, and there were a few people in my college, uh, years that were saying, oh my goodness, you, sh you should lock your hair and you should try it because you know, your, your, your course or your grade of hair is amazing. You should try. And I was like, oh, okay, when I go natural, honey, I bought that relaxer so quick, <laughs> but you know, I was like, why not? My hair is already transitioning. I'm at a great place now mentally, you know, where I feel like, you know, my hair is not my identity. Let's try it. It has been amazing. It has been freaking amazing. So here I am. Um, I started my dreadlock journey actually on Martin Luther King Day, January 2018. I mean, you know, this year. And again, like I said before, my same cousin who had been braiding and doing my hair for years, literal years, um, who buzz cut me right after chemo and when my hair started falling out is now dreadlocking my hair for me. She does my retwist. She does all of that. And it's just full circle. And it makes me smile. It makes me smile that I see how far I've come because losing your hair is a big deal. 
men, women, it doesn't matter. Losing your hair, specifically not of your choice, is a big deal. And I'm so grateful to be where I am right now. Um, you know, be where I am in regards to my hair. It's growing, it's healthy. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. So if nothing else, guys, the only few things that I wanted you to take away from this was what does your hair say about you? I mean, I'm going to point it to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But, you know, does the carpet match the drapes makes me think about how important our hair is to us. And this is just my journey with cancer and chemo, but what does your hair say about you? And I'm not trying to get deep and philosophical, believe you me, you know, we could talk about that later. But if anything else, think about to yourself, what does or how does your hair affect your life? Uh, if you were to go bald, so the second question would be, I'm sorry, if you were to go bald today, not of your own doing, lightning struck you, all your hair fell out. <laughs> I'm laughing because that's so far-fetched, but it's, it's happened. Um, you know, for whatever reason, you know, a friend that has cancer, you want to shave your head for their honor. How would you be affected if you no longer had your tresses or your tufts of hair on your scalp, how would you feel? How would you feel about yourself? How would you think society would view you? And then how do you think or how quickly do you think you would be able to transition from who you were before with hair to not having hair? Think about it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if nothing else, I wanted this podcast not, not only to share my journey with losing my hair, also, of course, bring up the hilarious question of does the carpet match the drapes and how that came about and how I felt about it. But then to point it back to you and say, how would you feel? What would you think if you had no hair, if you had no extensions to put in, no weaves to buy, no braids to put in or gentlemen no barbershop to go to. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some men, and, and maybe this is another question we have to think about. There are some men, you know, that have tough, like full tufts of hair. Amazing, like hair. Just, I can't even think of an actor or an actress whose hair I can think of right now. Have amazing hair, but then you have a receding hairline. Or maybe just like your father, you have thinning on top. Men, you let me know. How does that make you feel? Because that's not of your doing. Or even women. I know women who have me. I have a receding hairline. I've had one for a while, even before chemo. Uh, because I had, <laughs> had is the operative word. Um, and if you're watching the YouTube video, I had a widow's peak. If you see my early years, like teens and 20s, I had a widow's peak and the hair is still right here. Look at that. My widow's peak was here. My hairline is here. Yeah, that's real life, but we won't worry about that. <laughs> but let me know, guys. Let me know what you think. This was really one to make, make you think. How would you feel? And then take those emotions, take those feelings and spin them around and say, how can I help someone who I see is going through? How can I help someone 
who may be going through chemo or even has alopecia. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people who have had alopecia. They look, they make bald look better than I did. Honestly, I was like, oh, let me get myself together. But how would that make you feel? And then after you figure out how it would make you feel, how can you see yourself helping someone else, whether that's knitting a hat for someone? I can't tell you how many organizations reached out to me to give me like scarves and hats to wear during, you know, the winter when my hair was still thin. It makes a difference. How can you help? That's what it comes back to. So guys, thank you so much for rocking with me. If you made it to the end, thank you so much. Hit me up in the comments. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm your girl, Yolanda Murphy, and I'll see you guys in the next one.